Welcome to the High Performance Half Hour with me, David Osgathorpe. Each week, we meet with athletes, coaches, business owners, and entertainers to discuss the high-performing habits that have led to their individual success. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Olympic gold medalist Saskia Clark. In this episode, we discuss life after the Olympics, managing her identity away from the boat and her future plans in coaching. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat and I hope you do too. And then so, you know, you cross the line is like plenty of tears on the podium. And then uh, what do you do? What do you do the day after? You've just won Olympic uh, gold and you know that's it. What happened? I'm pretty sure we've had some nights out, Dave. And I, <laughs> fortunately, the day after you end up with a big hangover. And when you're Olympic mm-hmm. champion, you have to go and do some TV in- interviews with that hangover. Uh, so Rio, you know, it's an epic, <laughs> epic party town. Uh, we sambered into the uh, early hours and then had to get up early. Amazing. And uh, put a brave face on it for, for the team. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, then, and so then you get home, you take a bit of time out and then, you know, are you, are you sort of planning ahead or are you kind of sort of worrying about where life goes or um, what's your thoughts? I did have... Um, I did. I had accepted a job before I went to Rio uh, for a sailing charity, wow. um, which I, which when, at the time when I accepted it, I felt like a great. It felt like um, a really good thing, uh, you know, like a real mm. pressure reliever that I had something to go and do. Uh, because after London, after Beijing, both Olympics, you know, sort of, I know now whether you come sixth, second, or first. It's a hor- mm. it, that, those months after the Olympics are pretty uh, dark and lonely, really, because you suddenly don't have mm. the goal anymore. Uh, so I'd accepted this job, um, and actually, it didn't. It it in the immediate bit after Rio, it, you know, felt quite good. I was going to start it in October. I didn't. I never actually ended up um, going to work for them um, properly. I'm sort of a, an ambassador for them, but in terms of like the office role, it wasn't. Um, it didn't work out. Um, and I, I think I probably had, a, if I'm honest, a bit of an impending dread about what on earth I was going to do with my future. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, foolishly, you, you just don't have time to think about it. You don't, or you don't invest. You should. And my advice to any, you know, athlete is when you can take the time and think about how you can invest time or energy into your future whilst you're campaigning but it's really hard to do that you, you know at the, when you're campaigning you think it's admitting that you're not going to make it you mm. know to the management or you think it's not you think you're distract is a distraction to the campaign and you need to put all the hours into campaigning and training and thinking about it but so I never really thought about it well, I didn't really think about it enough well, you know, there's two sides to that, isn't there? You know, I think, you know, to in order to, you know, get to the top, you need to be completely single-minded in that sense. But then I, I understand. I think, you know, the issue is that when it's linked so much to your identity, you know, you're a sailor, that's who you are, it's what you do. And then when that stops, then, you know, I think there's that questioning of, of well, who am I and what do I do now, now that that door's closed? And I think that that's, uh, I mean, that's probably... Um, something that's more prevalent now. I think there's more 
services and and people are more awareness as to kind of looking after athletes because as a career it's over in your sort of mid 30s there's a long time of life left and kind of redefining who you are and going on that next journey it's a difficult one and uh i think you know it's as much as you know yourself kind of understanding who you are and what you're going to do when everyone else just sees it's what i was, I was very conscious in the introduction to not be sort of calling you former this and former that you know it's it's which I guess that's you know where where you're at at the moment is kind of working on this this next stage and is that is that an enjoyable process for you now uh yeah it's taken some time I mm. I feel really I feel really excited and positive about the project I've I've started with these German girls and uh um it's given me sort of a, a definitely a renewed sense of focus and actually just sort of thinking about what we might be talking about and you know performance behaviors and stuff I, I definitely feel now I've got a goal in sight I I feel like the old me the athlete me is things mm. are clicking in again you know suddenly I'm up and out and training and doing all these things I did as an athlete which I've really struggled with the last four years uh to mm. to um, you know, I didn't, you know, I achieved my, as a 12-year-old, I wrote down what I wanted to be and it was an Olympian okay. and it, mm. I didn't really have, you know, I didn't have, I know loads of people struggle with that you know, on leaving school or leaving uni and I know loads of my uni mates did. They all had that struggle when they were 21, like what were they going to do? Mm. And I, ne- I never did. I just, you know, marched straight out of uni and knew exactly what I wanted to do. And even though I obviously worked for a bit, periods of time I was always I knew that I was I knew what I wanted to do and so I've had that as a, a 38 year old to or mm. 30, whatever I was uh to basically try and figure out uh what I want to do and uh yeah did you revisit that notebook have you written things down and is then, that something that well, you do it was something we did uh in that PSE class that you do at school I can't remember yeah. I think it's because we had to write down and put in an envelope to open in the year 2000 what we wanted to be oh, doing wow. and I, I found that when my parents so I didn't find it in the year 2000 but my parents downsized in 2012 actually so I found that like in all my old school stuff oh wow that's really sweet was and, that pre-games or just after it was I had to move uh pre so I had to move yeah out, like, that's really Easter. sweet <laughs> yeah so yeah. I, I was an Olympian by that point in time but not a medalist mm. uh and so you know it was the I guess um obviously my identity as a sailor but I think um a huge part of my identity which I sort of really struggled to replace was I was someone that was always trying to win an Olympic gold medal and pursuing that uh that and just not having something that I was pursuing and I guess also you're really lucky as an Olympian as a like Olympic campaigner that people um people are always really interested and really supportive to sort of hear your story and stuff and uh so you kind of you take people along with you on that journey I guess and uh they're really supportive with you on that and so sort of suddenly not having that thing that I was doing Mm -hmm. uh was yeah kind of in, like yeah in parts pretty soul destroying for me yeah I didn't really know how to replace it and I get and also I spent I've definitely spent a bit of the time manically trying to replace it with something uh that yeah. sort of felt like I had the same weight and so you know sort of charging forward with these projects and that yeah I'm going to go and do this and then ne- the next month it was something else I was going to go and do and it's a bit exhausting for 
the people around me <laughs> to mm. to deal with. Jesus, what she kind of what's this month? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, did, when you were when you were in you know, um, you know Olympic mode, and I mean, did you sort of write down goals? Was it some what sort of habits did you kind of go through? And like you, you sort of had the term, you know, I'd sort of had that get up and go in in the morning. What sort of kind of was it? Just this dream, this big dream that just got you out of bed and got you on with it, or did you kind of break that down into little mini goals? Or were there certain things that you had to do? Um, I think what we alongside our coach and uh we what we did uh really well for london but i think for rio what we did really well was basically a refinement of our goal setting process and you know having i did sports science at uni like you and mm. uh you know have i've been an athlete for 20 years and you know the how goal setting has changed in that time you know from the the dartboard thing that you used to do yeah. with kids and uh, and then there we i don't know we did this thing gold goalscape thing which was this hugely like in-depth thing where you sort of it started off as a dartboard and then each segment of the dartboard broke down into another dartboard which broke down to you know like and it became you know things like that became a chore to do your goal setting Mm. and actually became for a while it was something we had to do to um sort of tick a box to get our funding and it just became this horrendous chore and what we did with our coach, Joe Glanfield, who's a total legend, is we did um, like a 12 or I think I think for London it was 12 and for Rio it was 15 points about what the Olympic champions would look like on the 18th of August 2016. And, you know, we sort of went through physically, mentally, sailing skills wise, decision making, you know, it's sort of broken into a few different elements. And. Um, and it's what I've done with the team I'm working with now. And it's a, it's a really inspiring document. It then becomes, and then you just mark yourself on it every month, uh, red, amber, green. You, I, obviously you can do 10, one to 10 or, but yeah. we were kind of like arguing over seven or eight. It's, you know, like our goal, green yeah. being podium, uh, amber not. And uh, it just was a really inspiring thing. And I, I look, I've looked back on that recently because I'm now coaching and, I look back on it really proudly that we, you know, we sort of really investigated our discipline and the venue and and knew knew it so well and so deeply that we wrote down the 15 things that would describe the Olympic champions. Um, and, you know, ultimately that ended up being us in terms of weight, weight wise or, you know, sailing skill wise or sailing style wise. And it became a thing that, you know, you'd look at every morning or every week or it was exciting to check on how you were doing against that profile. Um, Well, you've just kind of there, that whole kind of process of changing, you're effectively doing the same thing, but one way that's kind of incredibly tedious and another way that's kind of got you fully engaged and excited about it. I think that's really good coaching, isn't it? Yeah. That's obviously, I mean, that's something you're now on that journey the other way around and you, is it pretty much the same document you just copied and pasted? Uh, (laughs) No, because I was really, um, I was really not keen that's the wrong word just I was adamant I'm adamant that the uh the team I'm working with take ownership of what they're doing mm. and it's not I don't I didn't and also you know me and Han had our own identity as individuals and as a team and it's not a it's totally different to what other Olympic champions look like and other teams look like I guess especially there's a culture difference with us and the Germans yeah. probably being the first you know being the first one and uh 
so they I sort of set them this is all on zoom in lockdown I sort of wow. setting them homework the girls homework to do and come back to me on which then resulted in this this document that we've got and so it's their own words it's their own um thing and it, it is sim- it's surprise I mean quite impressed them because they it's pretty similar to ours actually I haven't shared ours with them because I, I don't think it's appropriate uh, uh but I guess I did a talk recently and you know that in Rio me Han and Joe's team of three uh, so two sailors and a coach that that's 47 years of 470 sailing experience you know like do it between the three of us and so you know sort of the knowledge that we had to make that document was quite big and these girls are they've stepped away from their program they're doing it by themselves um, and have employed me and they've they're a bit they're younger as well and they've come up with a pretty impressive list of of things to uh that, that they think you know will describe uh it's actually for them at the moment it's top eight that's that's the goal for them yep. right now for the next four months and then we'll revisit it at post-selection so how does that feel for you in terms of you know um from a coaching perspective now obviously you you know you can only do what you can do outside of the boat and you've kind of got those goals are you as excited as you know it's obviously a completely different journey but i think um it's a very exciting one isn't it i think you know when when uh, a career of whatever sorts comes to an end and, and we work out that actually helping other people on that next journey can be sometimes even more rewarding for some people but where are you at on that that journey at the moment yeah I I, I have been asked to do some coaching like 470 women coaching a few times the last four years and I knew I wasn't ready I knew that I would think I could do it better and, yeah. and probably off the back of it decide to try and launch another campaign and I, I, I absolutely knew that that wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, and I definitely, I'm not in that headspace now. I definitely know that I don't want to, I don't want to be the athlete in the boat. Uh, and so I, I'm really enjoying it. It's the, it's kind of the first thing that I actually feel like, ah, oh, actually, um, sort of reading books about it and sort of thinking maybe, oh, I might go and, you know, do an open university thing or something that I guess as a career that I could see some, route ways that um I could I would really enjoy which you know I haven't haven't felt that about any of the things any of the projects I've picked up the last four years um it's definitely I have uh, sympathy for all my past coaches I apologize oh well it's, <laughs> you see it in a different light now yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny when you watch things from the outside it's, mm. it suddenly seems uh you know things seem it feels so different to when you're in it, you know, like it, and doing it that, you know, you don't have time to make the decisions and all this stuff. But when you're watching it from the coach boat, you're just like, dudes, make that decision now, now, make yeah. it now. And I get, you know, there's loads of other stuff going on and distractions and stuff. And so that's, um, that's it, the sort of frustration of that is very real. I get that. Uh, but I'm really enjoying the, I think I'm really enjoying the like intellectual challenge of it, of trying to sort of convey, mm. of, of like supporting and giving information and expertise, but very much aware that this is their their dream and their project. I'm, and I'm a facilitator for that. I'm not, this isn't mine. 
it's not my yeah. baby it's their it's their thing to do and to um you know something i'm really trying to um it, i don't know if it's, it's a, a different mindset isn't it a really different mindset needed for that approach and you know the maturity like you said and you know just kind of uh you know redefining you in that sense yeah yeah mm. I don't, I, something that's really interesting is I don't, and i guess you actually you work with uh like lots of national different nationalities but they're they i don't know if it's a german thing or not that this they, they're quite quiet and considered and um and you're not <laughs> yeah, I, I just and i'm trying to just you know i'm trying to i and it it might, this could be totally wrong but i saw i I, i'm like ah i just need to, you know this is your four you've got four months to make the stick you know kind of mm. like where's the light you know i need to see the lion but maybe that's just yeah. me that i need to see that and actually that's not what they need so that's kind of something we're talking about uh with them and and also yeah, they haven't had they haven't actually just in terms of the British saying team and the German saying team, but they're in totally, totally different spaces in terms of mm. the professional um, structure behind them, the support staff structure. They haven't had much support in terms of psychology of it. So, you know, the kind of Steve Peters chimp stuff we're yeah. sort of t- talking about, but I'm, you know, I'm super aware that I'm a, an a- athlete and an amateur at all these actual disciplines, but trying to, I guess, pull out the, the bits that we can make an impact with in the next four months that will make a difference to their performance. So are you involved in the, in the, the bigger picture of the whole program rather than just these athletes or no. is that your main focus? No, I'm, um, I ha- I have been with us with the British Sailing team for the last four years, mm. a few things, but I've had to take a step back from that because I'm working for uh, the enemy. Oh, I see. Nation, yeah, of course. So I can't, yeah. I'm not allowed to know any of the secrets. Uh, so, so I'm working for this team as a private job. So it's nothing to do with their federation. Yeah. Wow. And so obviously we've got, uh, when do we hear on um, 2021? I don't know. Mm. I, I feel, I feel really anxious for, for all the athletes. It kind of mm. like as a separate thing to this job that I'm obviously doing, but actually it just, um, I think, you know, like that whole preparation for a a four-year campaign to then, I think a lot of athletes would have been struggling this year with everything, you know, it's um, how where everything is geared up to that. I mean, what are your thoughts? How would you have kind of managed that for yourself? Uh, I I think it probably really depends on where you are in your career. Mm. I think, uh, you know, if this had happened in 2016, I would have lost my mind. Because yeah. I, you know, it was good. It was my last games. Uh, it we were one of the favourites, you know, all those sort of things. And, and it is kind of interesting in the training group that I'm part of. You know, it's a multinational training group with Spanish, mm. with uh, Spanish, Swedish, um, Israeli, and so a bit a range of ages and stuff. And you can sort of see some athletes that and some teams that are, are really going to benefit from having had another year. And being another year older, yeah, going to games, mm. um, and and then there's going to be the other side of that. Some athlete, well, you know, you sort of read it every day. You know, some athletes are retiring because they can't hold on mm. physically; they can't hold on for another year. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, i i would have I would have really struggled if it had been Rio, if it had been the London Games. I think it probably would have been a good thing for us because another yeah. year's preparation would have been a good thing for us 
Um, and I do know a number of our, our British athletes going, you know, uh, good mates with a few of them. And they're all, they're all being pretty pragmatic about it, really. Um, obviously, I guess there's nothing else to be. Uh, they all stayed selected. So we, had, we actually had selected them just before yeah. um, we'd completed our selection February. So that, and they all stayed selected. There was never any question that they might reopen trials. Um, okay. UK Sport have been amazing. They've committed to keeping all our athletes on funding. So you know, they've had, um, in terms of sort of some stability on that side of things, it's been great for them. But it's just, yeah, I think it's been and it's really hard to figure out your training and stuff because every month things are changing. Like, can you go to Spain this month? No. Yep. Or, you know, mm. this kind of stuff. Or uh, and you know, that's going to continue for another few months, if not longer. Mm. So as a coach, you know, what are you doing to kind of keep your, your girls uh, focused? And, uh, you know, is it just a case of, right, this is happening? Do you, do you, do you just kind of full steam ahead and, until you hear otherwise or are you quite pragmatic about things? Uh, yeah, we, we have a bit, we're a bit lucky in that because we're a private setup now, they're doing it not as part of a federation, that we're a lot more agile than mm. uh, sort of other other nations. So we can... We, we can sort of just make look at what's happening and make decisions ourselves um, based on, you know, if we had to quarantine these two weeks, but we could do that. Whereas, you know, a lot of federations are making that decision for the athletes and they're saying they can't go and do that and stuff. Where, um, so we can basically, as long as, you know, we're looking at the numbers, the running 14 day total and stuff and seeing what tra training groups and where they are if there's risk in those places or not um and you know getting there as low risk as we can in terms of traveling strange times hey yeah it's just, <laughs> mm, challenging but then, you know maybe that's a good thing you know it's kind of really interesting that you talk about various things along your you know your athlete career it's like you're never going to face anything like this from a you know the start of a coaching career so you know it seems to me that you know the the challenges that you've faced you know all the way through of kind of you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger so oh, sure. you know yeah mm. and there are people and like every all the challenges you had in my career and but definitely the athletes that bounce deal with this and bounce back from this the best will be you know be the medalists of 21 for sure it's you know the people that get distracted by this and um never process it and it's still a problem for them next year because they were due to go into the games in 2020 in great shape but um haven't managed to process it will you know that it will play games with their heads um when the competition comes wow you know, I think that's actually a perfect point to end on there. Okay, very, uh, very poignant kind of thinking there, Sass. Nice. Oh, I really. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. No, thank you. I really appreciate your time there. I like, I really like the story there that you've kind of, you know, shared with us. You know, there's so many kind of, you know, highs and lows and how you've dealt with it all, and you know, the the, the change of career now, and that sounds really exciting with the various projects that you've you've kind of got going on. And you know, I know it's kind of uh, been a a strange time getting to this point, but it sounds like you're in a, a really nice place to kind of push on with everything now. Yeah, I mean, I feel I just I feel relieved about that. I couldn't already have carried on much longer being uh, bouncing around and not committing, <laughs> I guess, not committing to something. So I feel really happy that I've um, 
yeah, I've got a project to get on with. And, and I guess I feel really aware that actually uh, I need to, I need to sort of capitalise on this in terms of um, figuring out a route past this as well. You know, obviously, hopefully they get qualified for the games and we go to the games, but I need to not finish the games next year and, you know. Wonder what you're to do yeah. with your life again. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing mm. again. I need to, uh, I need to push forward it push forward for myself and I guess I need to take my own advice uh, as I would mm. as an athlete what I'd do as an athlete and think about what that looks like as a, a coaching career or you know that kind of thing now yeah it's amazing isn't it when you you know the the, the transfer across I think is so elements so many elements of life you know from sport um to work to just just general life I think you know it's 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 kind of lost where we work to a plan with our training and you know but we don't necessarily put those plans in place for other elements of our life and even though we know they work so well we just think of them in one area and not necessarily in others but it's maybe easy when uh, you know there's a clear goal to define and I think when there's so many other options outside of there it's a little bit tougher to kind of you know nail down exactly what we really want to get. Yeah definitely there's definitely a lot of truth mm. in that and, you know like a, an athlete in sport, it's really easy to write down the goal of I want to win a gold medal. But what mm. does that look like outside of uh, sport and in the rest of life is I've definitely found that hard to sort of identify and articulate. Um, but I think mm. it's something I should spend, invest some time in. Well, look, thank you so much for today. Um, when are you jumping on a plane back out to Spain? Uh, Friday. Oh well, okay. Well, I'll let you go and pack anyway, your bags. Things, yeah, things are changing yeah. quickly, so let's see. Yeah, I'll fingers crossed. Yeah, all right. Well, look, thank you again. And you know, if you're if you're around, uh, you know, another point, if we can kind of revisit this and see how you're getting on with, the, with those girls um, later in the year, that would be amazing. Yeah, stay in touch. Brilliant. All right, thank you so much. Take care. We'll speak soon. Bye. See you, Dave. Yeah,